and gentlemen, good morning and welcome back to another live episode of 80s Wrestling the Podcast. Last week, we put two of the all-time greats head-to-head and asked the question, who's better, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels? This week, the great debate rages on, but we tweaked the question a little bit different. Who's more influential? Is it the man responsible for the rock and wrestling blow-up in the golden era of wrestling, the immortal Hulk Hogan? Or is it the man responsible for the explosion in wrestling popularity during the Attitude Era where it seemed like everybody was a wrestling fan and the man leading that charge was none other than Stone Cold Steve Austin? Both men, undoubtedly, some of the top two names in the history of the industry, and both men, no doubt, left their mark. But when you look at today's wrestling industry, who was the bigger influence? Whose mark rages on? Who has been more influential in today's landscape of wrestling? Hulk Hogan or Steve Austin? That's the question up for discussion today. My name is Jumpin' Jay. And as always, I'm joined by the man responsible for Fiera Mania. I'm talking about the immortal Tommy Fierro. Good morning, Tommy. What is going on, brother? I like that. I like that. Jumping Jay, what's going on? Good morning, everyone listening on 80s Wrestling, the podcast. It's going to be a fun topic today. We're talking about who had the more influence on the wrestling business. Was it Hulk Hogan or was it Stone Cold Steve Austin? Now, if you're an old school fan like me or Jay, quickly, you're going to say immediately, Hulk Hogan. I know I did when this uh, created, but if you go back and you do the due diligence and you start looking at the records and the numbers and the amount of merchandise sold and the ratings and the landscape of professional wrestling at the time, WWE was getting clobbered by WCW in the weekly Monday night ratings. And uh, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin's character that captivated an entire nation. And when he pushed Mike Tyson and those guys had to pull apart, and that was the beginning of the boom period for professional wrestling again in the 90s. And, and obviously that's a huge, huge, huge part of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, yes, it was the overall presentation at the time, the attitude era that got everyone watching and talking, but he was the leader of it. He was the biggest part of it. Uh, It it is an interesting topic. I'm still going to say Hulk Hogan right at the top of the show, and I'm sure we can talk about it throughout the show why. But, man, you really, if you were to really have to, if your life depended on the J and you had to make the right choice, and there's no right choice. Again, like last week's episode, it's who likes vanilla, who likes chocolate, who likes strawberry. But if you actually do some research on the two, and the numbers and the amount of time they're on top and who made more money for the it's it's a lot man it's 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 like flipping a coin again uh like last week with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart as far as who had more influence on the business because they both had an extraordinary amount of influence i i again i still go with Hulk Hogan and I'll talk about those reasons throughout cuz i don't think we'd even be we wouldn't even be able to mention if Steve Austin was a bigger influence on Hulk Hogan without Hulk Hogan because during that, you know, boom period of wrestling in 1985, the rock and wrestling connection, Hulk Hogan was everything uh, to everyone. 
So, yeah, it's an interesting topic. I'm going to go a hawk right at the top. Uh, I'll list reasons why throughout, but, man, it's definitely uh, something that needs to be debated. Yeah, and I think when you're on an 80s wrestling the podcast, I think everybody, no doubt, is initially going to say, Hulk Hogan, not even a question. If there was no Hulk Hogan, there'd be no Stone Cold. There'd be no wrestling as we know it today. Yes, Hogan had a huge impact on the world of professional wrestling. He helped build the World Wrestling Federation into the billion-dollar business that it is. But we have to keep in mind, the guys that are lacing up their boots and stepping through those ropes today on your TV set, I don't know how much of Hogan's career they were really watching. If you're talking influence on today's product especially, on the guys lacing up boots and getting in the ring, they probably grew up watching Stone Cold Steve Austin. So you can look at some guys today who you can tell were heavily influenced by the Attitude Era. You can tell guys who kind of carry themselves in the way of The Rock or the way of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And business was different during the Attitude Era. Wrestling tends to change with culture. And in the 80s, everybody was feel good. Everybody was, there's a clear good guy, a clear bad guy. We're rooting for the good guys. Red, white, and blue. We're talking about Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger in action movies. Clear good guy, clear bad guy. Star Wars, clear good guy, clear bad guy. Wrestling, clear good guy, clear bad guy. We're cheering for the good guy. In the Attitude Era, culture was a little bit different. People loved the anti-hero. Not the all-out villain, but we loved to root for the guy who we saw ourselves in. And at that time, Stone Cold Steve Austin was a beer-swigging, middle finger-flicking, telling his boss to you-know-what. And that's what resonated with wrestling fans. And so I remember in grade school being a huge Hulkamaniac, but there wasn't a ton of wrestling fans in my school. When I became upperclassman in high school and the Attitude Era was in full gear, everybody was coming to school in either a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt, a Rock shirt, or an NWO shirt. Wrestling had taken over the culture. And so when you pose the question, who was more influential, it becomes a very interesting debate. And I have to fight the urge to say Hulk Hogan because I love Hulk Hogan and I grew up watching Hulk Hogan. But the wrestling fans today might be more inclined to say Steve Austin had a bigger influence. We're not talking impact, we're talking influence. And so it's interesting to pose this question. And I think it's a harder question uh, then we give it credit for. And so I'm excited to see where this discussion goes. So we're going to open it up by heading to the slam line. And up first is a guy who I know grew up watching Hogan and understands the impact and influence, but I think he also appreciates what Stone Cold Steve Austin did for the industry as well. We're taking a coastal flight out to hopefully sunny California to check in with babyface Brian. Brian, good morning, and welcome to the discussion. Thanks so much, Jay, and thanks so much, Tommy. Uh, real quick, just want to say rest in peace, Adnan LKC. If you look at the guy's uh, life a little bit, he has a really amazing story, so I encourage you to check it out. Um, also just want to say thanks to whoever got They Live up on the big screen. I enjoyed the hell out of it last night. It was, uh, it was fun, a phenomenal experience to see it on the big screen. And then uh, on this topic today, I just want to say that uh, the longer that history goes, the more this is going to shift towards Steve Austin, and it's the nature of uh, of recorded history. But uh, even before we started uh, 
getting film footage of stuff. So my two analogies are uh, everybody remembers when the 1989 World Series was interrupted by that 6.9 magnitude earthquake Mm -hmm. that uh, devastated San Francisco, everybody that was alive at least. Now, if we go back uh, 83 years before that, the 1906 earthquake in San Francisco was far more devastating. It was a uh, estimated to be 7.9 instead of 6.9. The entire city burned to the ground, and 700 people died instead of 83. You know, and they re- they think it might be three or four times that. So. Uh, in wrestling, we have a similar situation. We've got Hulk Hogan, who influenced us tremendously, but as more and more of us who were there to see it live are uh, passing on, and and, uh, and and as we all pass on, uh, this is going to shift towards Steve Austin, and possibly rightfully so. Um, Hogan, with his NWO influence, really keeps him in the running longer than if he just had that baby face run earlier. Um, in wrestling, I'll point out Gorgeous George. If he hadn't done what he did in the 50s in television, maybe wrestling never gets to the point where it could be with Hogan. And Gorgeous George influenced Muhammad Ali. He influenced Roddy Piper. He influenced uh, uh, Bob Dylan. Uh, he influenced uh, so much of culture with his uh, want, getting people so upset that they wanted to go see people kick his ass. And that's what uh, Roddy Piper did at WrestleMania 1. It's what Muhammad Ali did. So Gorgeous George is one of those forgotten guys that there's not a lot of guys around that remember him, but his influence. I mean, he even had the song that Randy um, Savage took with Pomp and Circumstance. So it's going to continually to, you know, to ebb and flow and change. But uh, my long, long-winded answer results in uh, Hulk Hogan for me. But uh, like I say, as time goes on, this is going to shift a little bit, and it's probably going to end up uh, being Steve Austin. And then, you know, down the road, maybe somebody will be asking who had a bigger uh, influence. Was it Steve Austin or was it Roman Reigns, you know, or MJF? So love the question. Love the topic. Thanks for letting me uh, put in my, uh, my, you know, two cents, my four cents, my six cents, whatever it is. But appreciate you guys so much. Love the love the topic. Love the conversation as always. Hey Brian, real quick before you run, I want to. I was going to make mention of this later in the episode anyway, so I figure now's a now's a good time to bring it up just because you just mentioned the name Gorgeous George. So we have a historic landmark here in New Jersey. Anyone that's listening to the podcast, when you get an opportunity, go to your Google machine and type in Hinchcliffe Stadium in Patterson, New Jersey, Hinchcliffe Stadium in Patterson, New Jersey. It was a stadium built in the 1930s that actually the Negro Baseball League is one of the, it was one of the original stadiums for that in the 30s. Now, uh, in the 1950s, it also hosted professional wrestling, and Gorgeous George uh, was one of the guys that were appearing on that show. He was in the main event. Well, years later, this stadium, now when I was just a kid, I was born and raised in Patterson, New Jersey. So as a kid, there would always be events there. We would go there uh, as, as a part of my school. Then it, it, I believe in the mid-90s, maybe 96, 97, it closed down. It just reopened this past year. And uh, if, you, if you Google it, Sports Illustrated actually did a really cool feature on Hinchcliffe Stadium. Anyhow, uh, we have made a deal. Now, the Great Falls is connected 
right by where Hinchcliffe Stadium is. If you again, if you if you Google Great Falls, New Jersey, uh, Patterson, New Jersey, it's, it's it was in your history books uh, as as a kid. Anyhow, uh, ISPW has signed a deal with Hinchcliffe Stadium to do Brawl at the Falls on Sunday afternoon, October the 29th. Tickets are going to be on sale uh, maybe as early as uh, tonight. Uh, we're getting that website updated. But I just wanted to make mention that Gorgeous George wrestled in this stadium. So for me, man, to be able to say that I ran a show in the same building that Gorgeous George wrestled in, and, and, and man, I'm a, I'm a wrestling history buff as well. You guys know that. Uh, so for me, man, this is really, really cool. So anyone out there uh, that wants to just to, to find out more about the stadium, it's a really unique story and a unique building, uh, just go on uh, Google and just type in Sports Illustrated Hinchcliffe Stadium, and it'll pop up. But we're doing a big event there on, on Saturday, October 29th, and it's going to be a, a fundraiser to give back to the town of Patterson. I'm extremely excited about it, but your gorgeous George uh, reference uh, made me talk about that now. Great, man. I wish I could be there, and I'm uh, I'm so glad for all the people that are going to uh, feel the echoes of history as they sit in that stadium and that arena, arena and watch ISPW wrestling. So congratulations, Tommy. And, uh, again, thank you, Jay. Thank you, Tommy, for uh, always being so kind and letting us all talk here on the show. Have a great rest of the show. I'll yeah, be listening. Have, have a good day, bro. Yeah, thank you, Brian. And Brian made an excellent point there, Tommy, that over time – the answer to this question will most likely morph start favoring Stone Cold Steve Austin. With the passage of time, we tend to forget uh, the guys that paved the way, uh, i.e., perfect example. We didn't ask who's more influential, Gorgeous George or Hulk Hogan, because we grew up in the era where Hulk Hogan was the main guy. And so, no doubtably, there will be a 90s wrestling the podcast by guys who grew up watching Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they may not even mention Hogan except in a passing breath. And so, yeah, the passage of time really kind of determines what history gets talked about and what history gets kind of glanced over. But uh, today it's a very relevant question for us, the guys that grew up and were fans during both eras, the rock and wrestling golden era and the attitude era. Which wrestler, Hogan or Austin, has left the longer lasting impression, the biggest influence on the direction of the wrestling business. So we're going to keep this conversation going. The calls are starting to come in. And so up next, we're going to talk to a guy who is all about influence in the world of wrestling. And so I'm very interested to hear his take. We're going to the firehouse where we'll talk to firefighter, Brian, Brian, good morning. And welcome to the conversation. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Doing very well, sir. Good, good, good. Um, yeah, listen, yes, first things first, yes, uh, Brian uh, Babyface touched on it, Rest in Paradise, Chief Adnan Alcassi, better known to a lot of WWF fans as uh, General Adnan, of course, seems like every week we're remembering somebody, uh, yeah, but real quick, Cliff Notes version, any of you have any uh, memories, moments of uh, meeting him, working with him, watching him? You know, for me, man, I, again, uh, our prayers and thoughts and condolences go out to his friends and family. It seems like every week here on the podcast, or at least a lot of times in 2023, uh, we have the unfortunate uh, responsibility to, to mention this on, on the, the podcast. I know, obviously, people find out the second it happens on social media, but it just stinks that 
Every week it seems, Jay and uh, and Brian, that we have to make mention of, of someone unfortunately passing away. I never personally had that opportunity to work with him. Uh, I did meet him before. Uh, I would have loved to have eventually had him at an 80s wrestling con, only because, I mean, I've used pretty much everyone, uh, almost everyone uh, in the 80s so far. He was not one guy I ever worked with, and uh, I loved his character with Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, he was a huge part of the uh, Sergeant Slaughter heel turn and uh, his, his him being on top against Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 7. I mean, gosh, I mean, talk about uh, someone that had a, a legendary career in the business. The guy, main event at WrestleMania, uh, man, it's in Sergeant Slaughter against Hulk Hogan. You really, as a manager, you really can't get any bigger than that. And then he had an unbelievable career as well in the AWA. Uh, yeah, man, uh, I never had an opportunity to work with, with him, would have loved to have, and uh, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah and unfortunately, I'm such a – I feel like an old man, but when it comes to guys like him, I'm such a young man. Most of his career took place before I was even uh, alive on this earth, and so uh, I didn't get to see a, the bulk of his. But I, uh, I absolutely remember his return to the World Wrestling Federation in the early 90s when he joined the side of Sergeant Slaughter uh, as a sympathizer and went against Hulkamania. I absolutely uh, remember that and appreciated his work there, but – even his work with the AWA, I was pretty young and, and really have no memories of. Yeah, I think uh, most people are in the majority of you, uh, Jay. Um, you know, I do uh, remember his stuff in AWA. Of course, I, I remember his WWF stuff better. Um, I always found it interesting. You know, they brought in, you know, when Sarge was making that huge heel turn, you know, to help add fuel to the fire. They brought in to somebody who was born and raised in Iraq. He's Iraqi. And not only that, he was legit childhood friends with uh, Saddam Hussein. And I'll never forget during a video montage, they showed a picture. I mean, we all know, knew it was doctored, it was Photoshopped, but it looked legit of Sarge and Adnan with Saddam Hussein. I mean, you talk about heat. Uh, and, and, you know, and Sarge talked about this when he was on with you guys uh, months ago. You know, it takes it takes big balls to be able to, you know, get the heat that those guys did. I mean, most people just aren't that tough skin. You have that really tough, thick skin to play a character and do a role like that. So, uh, listen, God bless him wherever he is. And, you know, I hope this is the end, but I have a feeling it is. We're not even three quarters done with the year. And how many people have we buried this year? Um, the question at hand, okay, when you guys were doing Brett Sean last week, I was thinking to myself, you know, this is a good topic, but a really good one is Hogan Austin because that we could debate till the cows come home and, Tommy, you had the idea last week. Let's do it this week. I'm glad we're doing it. Um, okay. I it, it is extremely close, okay? I think it's a lot closer than people even notice, okay? What Hogan ha – I say, I say Hogan, okay? few reasons. Number one, if you did a nationwide poll of wrestling fans, who was more influential? I think, I think it would be close but I think Hogan would win by this much. If you did a worldwide poll, every wrestling fan in the world, I think Hogan would win in a landslide. And Hogan may be the most recognizable athlete in the world, 
and I was saying that years before Pele passed away, okay? He's been the most recognized athlete in the world, and he's, yes, it's a lot of it's because of his unique physical, you know, his unique appearance, okay? But you've got to get your name out there and your appearance out there before people can know who you are, okay? Um, the other thing is you bring up Austin, you know, what he did with, uh, you know, breaking WCW's winning streak, getting WWF back on top for good, the Attitude Era. I said this on the Hogan's Greatest Feuds episode. For those who think that Austin is the greatest star in the history of the business, Hogan was able to accomplish something that Austin couldn't. When Hogan was able to make the successful transition from top face to top heel, and not only did he make the, trans- the successful transition, he changed the business. All of a sudden, WCW became a legit competitor. Not only did it give WWF for its money, but he, they were able to beat them for 83 weeks, whatever it was. And it, Hogan pretty much was doing his career all over again. He was, he was not Hulk Hogan anymore. He was Hollywood, and he's starting from scratch and doing the whole one all over again. How many wrestlers can say they really had two careers? When Austin turned heel at WrestleMania 17, it was, he even says it was his idea, and it was a disaster. And his merchandise sales never went back to where they were before, uh, before his heel turn. And when you think about it, Hogan had – it was it was always Hogan. He always had different opponents, you know, Piper, Orndorff, Bundy, Andre, Macho, whoever. Austin had one opponent, McMahon. Yes, he had a great rivalry with The Rock, very underrated feud with Brett, you know, Triple H, Undertaker. McMahon was always attached at the hip. It was always, and I take nothing away. Here's what Austin did do. Yes, he changed the business too. Okay, he was the anti-hero. He was he was getting cheered for doing things that fans would normally boo the wrestlers for. Okay, he got whole arenas all over the country to buy a ticket just to see him. He would come out twenty times a show on Raw because that's who they wanted to see. You watch the. Uh, the Mankind Rock match on Raw, where, you know, Val Parasas and Seats, the, that infamous match, watch it on mute. The part where Austin Austin's music hits and he comes out in the middle of the match, put that on mute. Look at that pop that Austin gets. You can't hear it, and yet you still can, because you can see Austin. It, it's That's why it's closer than people think, okay? But for... The reasons that I mentioned prior, I have to give it to Hogan by this much because Hogan was able transitions, and I think he took the world over a little more. What, what do you got? What do you guys think? Am I making you know, I sense? You're making, yeah, you're making sense. You're making good points. And when you said that Hogan might be the most recognizable athlete, and then you mentioned that some of it's due to his physical appearance, because you could say, you know, like. The world knows Michael Jordan, but there's a lot of six-foot-six athletic-looking guys walking around. Hogan has a very unique 
looked at him. And as you were talking about that, I started to think. In my everyday life, I don't see a lot of handlebar mustaches on regular people. You see them every <laughs> once in a while. But in my everyday life, I see a couple bald-headed guys with goatees. And I can't credit that just to Stone Cold Steve Austin. But you're right. I mean, Hogan kind of cornered the market on, on the handlebar mustache as well as maybe the wrestling business. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the bandana, the, I mean, so many things that he, you know, he started. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's just, uh, there's, there's, listen, you can't take anything away from either guy. Okay, they're both big. Uh, they're both big names. They both left a huge mark on the business. If I had to vote, I'd say Hogan by this much. So, uh, so with that, listen, guys, you gave me a lot of time. You, I'm sure you got more callers. So good talking to you guys as always, and I will hopefully talk to you guys next week. Sounds good, Brian. Thank you so much. You know, I Take appreciate care, Brian. that, Brian. I appreciate that he said it's closer than people think because for a lot of us, our gut reaction is just to, to go Hogan all day long, not even a question. Let's move on to something else. But when you stop and really look at what both men contributed to the industry and at the times that they contributed, you could clear. I don't think if you switched those guys, if you switched their time periods, I don't think Austin would have had the success Hogan had in the 80s. And I don't think that the red and yellow would have been as impactful during the Attitude Era. And so it's, you know, people can say right guy, right, right time, right place. But a lot of it is, you know, the performer. A lot of it is where the industry's at. And you can argue that the industry wouldn't have been ready for Austin if there was no Hogan. But then, like, uh, Babyface Brian pointed out, then you just keep going back and back decades and decades and say, well, there would be no this if it wasn't for him there'd be no him if it wasn't for this guy and so that's an argument that really has no end but when you just look at the landscape of wrestling today and ask who has influenced it more hogan or austin firefighter might be right it might be closer than we think tommy yeah man and, and, and a couple other things i want to bring up real quick before we jump into the next caller is he made a really good point uh he just made a really good point saying that Steve Austin's main feud was with Vince McMahon. Yeah, it was. And he did have you know, an unbelievable series with The Rock. And, and he had feuds with other ones. But, I mean, Hulk Hogan, I mean, the formula back then was just feed him heel, 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 like over and over. But he's had, Hogan had so many legendary uh, feuds, whether it be Paul Orndorff, whether it be Macho Man, whether it be Andre the Giant, whether it be Ted DiBiase, I mean, he had so many big marquee money matches in WWF, far more, in my opinion, than Steve Austin. So you have to take that into consideration as well. There's so many different factors that uh, you can bring up, uh, you know, as far as who was longer on top, was it Hogan or Austin? They, you, may mention, you may mention also that, uh, Hogan was able to transform uh, over to a heel and become just as successful. Uh, yeah, but it was the right time for him to do that. Uh, I'm saying this as as as, as defense to, to Steve Austin. Uh, it was the right time for Hogan to turn heel. It was a fresh, unique concept at the right time. And then he was obviously the the huge big factor in. NWO and that whole angle and WCW taking off the way it did is that no one 
in that modern era had seen Hulk Hogan uh, as, as a bad guy. Whereas when Steve Austin turned heel, I don't think it worked because one, they changed the song. And I, I think the song was badass. I loved his heel song. Uh, but I, I think the main purpose was is that the fans just didn't want to boo Steve Austin. Who doesn't love the fact of being able to go to work, tell your boss to go fuck himself, and punch him in the face? Everyone in the world wants to do that. And, and Jay, I know that your staff at your your job wants to do that to you as well. Just so you know, I've gotten some I've gotten some private DMs on my yeah, yeah, yeah. Instagram and Facebook page. Um, but I'm, in all, all seriousness, though, like who doesn't want to go to work, fl- fling off their boss, and tell them to go f himself? I mean, everyone wants to do that. Everyone loves that. I just don't think, at least at that moment, uh, the fans just didn't want to boo Steve Austin. They loved him. He was beloved. Uh, he was, you know, you can relate to him. Everyone wants to kick their boss's ass. Everyone can relate to that. So I, I, I think that. It was a different – I'm trying to use the right words. Uh, it was the right time for Hogan, the wrong time for Austin. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, 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 it's a tough, tough, tough topic. There's just so many different factors to bring into it. Well, let's keep the discussion going. Let's get some other guys on the phone to kind of give us their two cents. Up next, the guy who really is a student – of the game. He studies the business, the ebbs and the flows, and he's been around for both uh, the golden era as well as the attitude era. We're talking about Toto with Tom. Tom, good morning, sir. Welcome to the discussion. So I'm dealing with these two Bryans, Babyface Brian, Fireman Brian. I hear Babyface Brian come on the air today, and he said something that made me fall out of my chair. I had venom in me. I was smoking. My head was ready to explode. I picked up the phone. I started up to call you guys. And then the fireman comes on and he completely deflated Toto with Tom. I think I fell asleep twice. And I'm really not sure what I was so mad about anymore. So let's just go to the topic of discussion. And um, Hogan, Austin. Here's the way I look at it. Stone Cold Steve Austin was in an era where everybody was over. It was a theme. It was the attitude era. I didn't think that Austin's reactions or crowd reactions were that much different than any of the other top stars. I mean, even uh, the Ho Train was getting tremendous pops. Uh, The Godfather, you know, everybody was getting a pop back then. Um, Austin's pops may have been a little more vociferous when he did a run-in so to speak, you know, and, you know, when there was another match going on in the ring and all of a sudden you heard the glass break and here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. The one in particular is the night that McFoley won the title where Austin came out and helped him. But Hulk Hogan, there was nobody getting the pops at the arenas that Hulk Hogan was getting in the 80s. He transcended pro wrestling. I mean, we all knew him from Rocky first. And if you're like an AWA fan, all right, which I really didn't get AWA back in the day. There was really no way for me to to, to follow him except through the magazines. Um, and Hogan's first run in WWF was before I was watching wrestling. It was in 1979. But here's a guy who looked 
different than everyone else. He was chiseled. He was tan. He had his hair chest that was uh, shaved in such a way that it looked like an atomic uh, explosion. He, he had it all. Um, Austin failed, you know, pretty much his first couple of times in the WWE. I actually knew Steve Austin as Stunning Steve from World Class Wrestling, mm-hmm. and he was more of a technical wrestler. If you asked me what Steve Austin was going to be, 80s, was he going to be more of a Ric Flair, or was he going to be more of a Hulk Hogan as far as um, popularity? I would have said Ric Flair a thousand percent. I remember saying to myself, I'd love to see Ric Flair and Steve Austin go at it in the ring. That's going to be a a four-star match. Never did I think that he was going to be more of a punch-and-kick type wrestler uh, in the Attitude Era. And the one thing I wanted to – now it just, it just hit me why I got mad at uh, Babyface Brian. He said that as time goes on, we forget. Well, let me say this. That may hold true for certain things historically, but when it comes to wrestling and today's social media, we have access to things called YouTube and Peacock, and we can go back and look at Hulk Hogan. I was at the Wrestling Collector a month ago, and there was an eight-year-old kid who knew everything there was to know about 80s wrestling. And why was that? Because his father had him watch it. Why do you think his father had him watch it rather than Attitude Era? More kid-friendly. I mean, if I was a parent, I would have my kids watch 80s wrestling as well. I wouldn't let them watch the Monday Night Wars. Hogan and that era will always be remembered. Do you think, Total Tom, that Hogan's work, ring work, mic work, has influenced today's wrestlers as much as maybe Steve Austin's ring work and mic work has? Steve Austin's early work, I really appreciate. Um, his later work, he just worked smarter, and so did Hogan. They both worked smarter. So did it influence any of today's wrestlers? Absolutely not, because today's wrestlers don't work smarter. They work harder, hmm. and they're out there trying to get the next spot in before, um, you know, before they decide to uh, tell a story. I saw something last week on AEW, and it was very telling, and I loved it. It, it was Chris Jericho. He was doing – Commentate. He was he he was doing the uh, color commentating on the uh, I think it was Rampage, and it was a match with this guy's name was Kip Dibin. I'm not too familiar with him, but uh, he he it was a tag match and it was a hot tag and the crowd went wild, right? And then Kip, you know, he took his bumps and then all of a sudden he started going on the offensive again. And Jericho said during the broadcast, "Hey, Kip." Let it simmer a little bit. Let let it, you know, wait a couple of seconds before you, you know, have the crowd all of a sudden d- deflate. And I'm saying to myself, my God, Jericho, he's actually trying to influence the wrestlers while he's doing commentary. You know, they're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. They're not letting things, you know, ferment. They're not, they're not letting the crowd soak it in. And all it was was a couple of seconds. That's all Jericho wanted. Just give it a couple of seconds. I really hope that the guy heard what he said on the on the broadcast, or I hope Jericho went backstage and said something to him. You know, next time there's a hot tag, and you know, you let the other guy get his, uh, you know, his, his rub. Let it let it go. Stop waiting till all of a sudden, you know, 
do the next false finish, or the next kick out. So, no, I don't think any of today's wrestlers really looked at what Austin and Hogan did. Those guys, they knew what they were doing, and that's why they were so big. Well said, Total with Tom. We appreciate you joining the conversation and uh, giving us your insights. And, uh, yeah, you're right. They both knew what they were doing. They both worked smart. Uh, and so, yeah, who knows where the industry is headed, but one thing's for sure with YouTube and the network, uh, both Austin Hogan's library of work is available for, for viewers to come. And you're absolutely right. I would much rather have my uh, 10-year-old watch the golden era of wrestling than the Attitude Era for obvious reasons. It was just a different time and, and different things were getting wrestlers over that uh, may not have been the best for a family-friendly program. A great jumping, Jim. And one last thing before I go. Why hasn't Richard Holiday been on this podcast yet? We've had Bull James. We've had Danny Morrison. We've had all the ISPW heavyweight champions. But Richard Holiday has not been on this show yet. Do I have to boycott again? When is he coming on? He's got the biggest match of all coming September 29th, ISPW 25. Where is Holiday? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, Tom, we're actually going to do a, on September 28th, the Thursday, the last Thursday of the month, we are going to do a preview event, a preview podcast, uh, I mean, for the 25th anniversary of ISPW here in New Jersey, which is on Friday, September 29th in your hometown in Totowa. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and get Holiday on for that one to answer your question. So, uh, but there will be an ISPW 25 podcast on Thursday, September 28th. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Total Tom. Enjoy your day. All right, Tommy. This conversation is, is going on along and in-depth, and I am so uh, appreciative of that. We have three more callers waiting in the wings. We're going to get to their opinions, and we're going to see what the listeners feel who had the more influential career on the landscape of professional wrestling? Was it Hogan or was it Austin? And up next is an unknown call. Uh, so I don't have them documented in our call log. So again, either my bookkeeping is, is falling through the cracks or it's a first time caller area code nine zero five. Good morning. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey guys, it's David from Canada. I'm just calling you on a different number. David got a new number. Hey, David, David how are you doing up, this brother? morning? I'm good. I'm good. Just uh, living the uh, high school guidance counselor dream right now. Um, you know, trying to process, um, along with my colleagues, over 700 course change requests. Oh, my word. Wow. Is today, start today, of the season. Is today, the, is today the first day back for you or no? Uh, no, today's the third day back. Oh, okay. So third day with kids but uh yeah so i think great top well here's my thing on this topic like when i thought about it when you brought it up last week i thought to myself why is this even an argument like i i don't feel that there's really a good case you can make for anyone other than hogan you have arguably the best or you know it's at least of his era the best baby face and also potentially the best heel some would say of all time i don't think he's the best heel of all time but I know that argument's out there, right? To have, you know, the career that he's had in two different promotions, right? And, you know, to be like the face of the company, you know, for two different companies and, you know, change the business with the NWO and make the 80s boom and, and WWF become as big as it did. 
add on to that, you know, I think the doors that he opened for, you know, people to do things outside of wrestling, like his movie career, and, and you know, he, he's got a couple books, and, you know, he did a yeah, reality TV show. I, I, you know, Austin, I love Austin. He's great, right? And I love the Attitude Era, and I don't think you get the Attitude Era in the same way you get without Austin. But I feel there's so many more pieces in there that made it attitude like including, you know, but, well, think about this, though, too. If you even think that, okay, he's the Attitude Era, you know, I think the argument's out there, and I kind of agree with this, that the, the Attitude Era came in response to what WCW was doing with the NWO. So if anything, you could say that Austin being, you know, the Austin character that he was in the late 90s and early 2000s was as a result of something Hogan did. And and so I think because of that, and because, you know, Austin was around for a lesser time, right, and his career sort of got cut short because of injuries, that I think it's really hard, if not impossible, to make a good argument for anyone other than Hogan. David, you bring up a good point about the, the kind of the jump to Hollywood. While guys like Rowdy Piper had, you know, nice roles in movies, Hogan was the first wrestler to try to go be a main character, the star of a movie, not just have a side character or a bit. You know, he made that appearance in Rocky Three, but then he went and started making movies where he was the main character. And when you're talking influence, and you bring that into the conversation – is he the guy that allowed that door to be open, that allowed guys like The Rock to break the door down? And if you're talking influence, and if you factor that in, that's a very good point, David, that has yet to be brought up on the show, man. So we appreciate you calling in and sharing that. Of course. And then I got, I got another question for you, David. Absolutely. You obviously listened to the show last week because you knew the topic or you at least heard the topic, but you didn't call in. I, I listen, another... I, regardless of whether I call or not, I listen, I listen every week. Well, we appreciate that, man. So then you heard we had a fellow Canadian call in by the name of Rick who opted to pick Shawn Michaels over Bret Hart. Is, yeah, I, how did that make you feel time, when you heard that? Last time I checked, um, it's made, I don't know if you guys heard this, but it's made um, some big news over here that uh, Rick's actually had his Canadian citizenship revoked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt it. I don't doubt great. it. You know, I, I think hey, you can make the argument about, that that um, you know, Shawn Michaels may be the better entertainer, but but uh, Bret Hart's the better wrestler, and you know, and and any Canadian that thinks otherwise um, needs to d- double check their uh, Canadian card. <laughs> well, hey, I tell you what, man, Rick, if you're listening right now, uh, Dave, our the, the, the world, the world's uh, the Canadian's greatest caller here on the podcast is calling your ass out. So if you're listening to this podcast. We want you to call back next week and tell us why exactly have you turned your back on your, your Canadians. Hey, real quick before you go, man, you're at, at school right now. What was the buzz, I'm just curious, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s in Canada for Stone Cold Steve Austin? Because at one point, Steve Austin was a, a huge rival of Bret Hart. We didn't bring that feud up. as We definitely should have. But at one point, he was probably the most hated man because uh, he was feeding with Brett. Did that go away uh, once he got away from Brett, or did you guys hold that against Steve Austin uh, for the rest of his career over there? No, not at all. I think I think once sort of Brett left the WWF, uh, you know, and the people who were following WWF, 
right? It's it, Austin was huge popular. Like the, you know, the Stone Cold, like, you know, that would be the most popular shirt that you would I would have seen when I would have been in school at that time, right? Like that's that he was hugely, uh, like Austin was hugely popular here, huge star, um, no no animosity whatsoever. Okay, I was just curious. Yeah, no, definitely. He was, he was, uh, you know, I think it's like at the time, sure, when he was shooting with, with Bret Hart, but then after that, right, like it's kind of like, you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? And and obviously WCW did not do good things for Bret Hart's career. And, you know, Austin, and the Attitude Era just took off. And obviously with the popularity of it all, like Austin was, you know, up there. You know, it would be like Austin, Rock, and like DX would have been like the mm-hmm. popular popular choices at that time in Canada. I dig it. Makes sense. David, thank you so much for calling in, man, and, and weighing in on this topic. And uh, I wish you all the best this new school year. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. That was take care, David brother. from Canada, the man with so many talents from a country that's so much better than yours. A couple callers to get through here. We're rounding the corner. Who's more influential, Hogan or Austin? And up next, we're connecting with a guy who we haven't talked to in a little bit. It's Fitzy. Fitzy, welcome back to the show. Welcome to the Hogan-Austin debate. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. Wow, Dave. I think Dave just swayed my opinion. I was calling with uh, – I was going to go Austin. And I was going to go Austin because if you look at Hogan, what's really survived from the early Hogan days? Not much, but um, – mm-hmm. I think I kind of dismissed his whole NWO run, and uh, Dave might have swayed me back to Hogan because uh, that really was the genesis of Austin and allowed Austin to kind of thrive. And um, it's hard, you know. I'm sure it was hard for Hogan to decide to go heel and uh, and and really take a chance out there when you go back and and watch some of that time. And that was a big risk, and and he pulled it off surprisingly and pulled it off really well. And, uh, you know, look at NWO leading on to now the L, the LWO that they're trying to run now. And uh, I, I still, I guess I got to go Hogan. You know, Dave was right. Canadian Dave, best <laughs> best Canadian wrestling fan I, I've ever heard. Team Dave. But uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. We appreciate you calling. I'm Googling as fast as I can. I'm trying to figure out when was Hogan's heel turn the timeline compared to when the Stone Cold Steve Austin character debuted? Are we thinking that the Stone Cold character was influenced by Hollywood Hogan or was Hollywood Hogan influenced by the popularity of the Stone Cold character? Do we know what the timeline on this? I was just watching the the Monday Night Wars and, and it seems like, I don't know if, DX was kind of before Stone Cold thriving, and that seems like it was a total response to NWO. Okay. I'll tell you what, real quickly, let me jump in while, while you're still on with us, brother. I, in my opinion, I think, and, and I don't think it gets enough credit, at that time, ECW was doing stuff that neither promotion was doing, and I do think very much so that WWE – was looking over at ECW, and we know that Paul Heyman was uh, involved in the company at the time anyway, but I, I think that WWE 
borrowed a lot of ECW's ideas and incorporated them into their machine. Like, look at Steve Austin, for example. I mean, Sandman was drinking beers long before Steve Austin was. And right. I think that I think that WWE uh, looked at ECW and magnified their ideas by a billion into their WWE machine, and 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 that's the attitude era that spit out of that machine. That's that's my opinion on that. I don't know what do you guys think about that. Uh, I feel like Bischoff really kind of turned it out of the uh, Candyland wrestling into more real life, and Vince had no chance but to respond and respond harder, which he, which he did, and he did successfully. So uh, I, I kind of got to give it to Bischoff in NWO. Yeah, so here's here's what I've come up with. So Steve Austin came into the World Wrestling Federation and was saddled with that ringmaster gimmick, which really was nowhere near the Stone Cold Steve Austin gimmick. And he kind of started uh, transforming that. I think you could say that the Stone Cold character's coming out party was the King of the Ring tournament in 1996. That's when he said Austin 316 and the thing just exploded. That pay-per-view took place in June of 1996. A month later, in July of the same year, was WCW Bash at the Beach when Hogan joined Kevin Nash and Scott Hall to form the NWO. So really, the birth of Stone Cold Steve Austin and the birth of Hollywood Hogan is just a month apart. So that's probably too close to say one influenced the other. But I definitely think the wrestling industry in general was kind of realizing that, that the bad guys are cool type thing. And that might be ECW's influence, Tommy. You might be right on the money. And it seems like both maybe Steve Austin and Hogan were picking up that the the old-fashioned good guy isn't going to get over with the fans anymore, that you have to have an edge. And so both of them birthed this kind of iconic version of themselves in the summer of 1996. I still want to give credit to, uh, to Austin for, for really taking the ball of, of being himself. Even though Hollywood Hogan was out there being a different guy, you could still kind of feel it's a gimmick, it's a work. Mm. When you saw Austin flip the switch and really just become a guy pounding beers, saying whatever he wanted to say, it felt genuine, it felt true, where Hogan still felt manufactured. So I'll give him that credit. But thanks, guys. Great topic. Hey, thanks, Fitzy, for calling in. We hope to hear from you again soon. Uh, We're going to check in with one more caller, Tommy, and then we'll wrap up today's episode uh, long-time friend of the show, big fan of the 80s, but I think he's a big fan of the Azure era. We'll find out. We're talking with Danny from Butler, New Jersey. Danny, good morning, sir. Welcome to the Hogan-Austin discussion. Tommy, Jumpin' Jay, uh, uh, always a pleasure. One, uh, another great topic as usual. Um, listen, you know, you gotta, you're not going to have professional wrestling uh, today, if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan. I mean, obviously, you know, wrestling has been around, you know, probably for, you know, over a century. But what Hogan did coming in in the 80s, I mean, was wrestling popular? Yeah. But you look at the way it was back then with territories and well, when man came, came in, you know, with the syndication and just pretty much grabbing the stranglehold, you know, of, you know, pretty much worldwide and then bringing in Hogan to, you know, uh, be the face you know, you, you look at what he did. Obviously, you're not going to be, you know, talking about guys like Austin, The Rock, and uh, everybody else that came after. So as far as that, you got to give Hogan the credit as far as 
the influence and, you know, the being able to stand the test of time. Now, going to Austin, you got to give him his due. You know, at that time when he came about into the WWF, the WWF w- was floundering bad. So we, they needed that new face. And at the end, you know, pretty much at that time, you know, you look, you know, kind of see that Bret Hart kind of succeeded Hogan when he left to be the face of the company. And the company was, you know, it was just, it was getting, it was stagnant. They were obviously losing to WCW. So, you know, they had to change it up and you needed to root for the bad guy. So in that, in my eyes there, you know, you got to give Steve Austin his credit, you know, because that what he did, you know, he pretty much got WWF out of the doldrums and was able to get back and eventually take over and McMahon buys his competition, period. And you look at the what, you know, Austin's impact, like, you know, just the guy coming in drinking beer, you know, you know who else, who, who, who wouldn't want to want to be uh, whip their boss's ass? So they changed up, you know, obviously something from being, you know, family friendly to what, you know, turned into the Attitude Era. So you got to give, you know, Austin his due. You know, he definitely, like I said, you still – Look at what he's doing right now. You know, you're gonna have you still have people all over the place wearing 316 t-shirts and all that. And you know, like I said, you got give him his due. I had to pick one. Obviously, I'm going with Hogan when it comes to overall influence. But like I said, it doesn't, there's nothing wrong with coming in uh, a close second. Like, there's no shame with that. Uh, on another note, I know you guys got to go. I got to congratulate. I've been telling you guys this for months. We're going to have a new greatest intercontinental champion. Congratulations, Gunther. As of Saturday, he will be the longest reigning intercontinental champion. Sorry, Honky Tonk. You got to move over. You had a great run. But we got to um, out with the old and with the new. You've been singing Gunther's praise for a very long time on this show. You called this a long time ago, that he's going to be the greatest IC champ of all time. I did. I, and you know what? You know, listen, there's nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. Honk, Honky had a great run. You, you talk about a record that said, you talk about 35 years. And, uh, you know, what he was able to do, given the opportunity that kind of felt, you know, he walked, you know, he didn't ask for it. He, uh, you know, it was kind of like he walked into the perfect situation and he ran with it. You know, was he the best performer? I mean, yeah, was he a performer? Absolutely. Was he the best worker? Probably not. But you know what? Listen. He kind of made that title as you know as prestigious as it was back then. It's prestigious now, but he made everybody wanted to be the Intercontinental Champion because everybody wanted to see him lose. So you got to give him that credit. You know he he deserves a lot of credit, but you know what, Gunther, what he's doing right now, he's definitely going to be headlining this WrestleMania. You're gonna you know whoever whoever he fights, I don't know. But he will be a main eventer, and he's already proved what you know that ring of work, the, the the body of work that he's done, the matches that he has, you know, five star matches across the board. The guy is a star, and I just want to leave it like that. And I know you know you guys are, are short on time. Hopefully, uh, I'll be talking to you guys next time. You guys have a tremendous weekend. Hey, sounds good, Danny. Thank you so much, man. You too, brother. Yeah, Danny right, called that. A, Danny called that a long time ago that he was a big Gunther fan, and he thought he'd be the one to, to take down the Honky Tonk Man's record. Well, I'm glad someone did. I'm not a big Honky fan. <laughs> You're not a big Honky Tonk Man fan. He ever, you must have worked with, with Wayne Ferris a time or two. 
or no? I try. I tried to a couple times, but uh, uh, to rather rather not comment on it. Well, I, but, I'm picking uh, up what you're down. You're not a, yeah, you're not a hockey talk man fan. I get you. No, I'm not. But who I am a fan of is yours, Jumpin' Jay. So anyone out there that uh, is not in the New Jersey area, we do a pro wrestling magazine club. And we had a conversation about wrestling magazines from the 80s a few weeks back here on the podcast. And I surprised my main man, Jumpin' Jay. Man. Uh, last week, I sent him a gigantic package of uh, – Wrestling magazines. Jay, there had to be at least probably 30 magazines, 30, 40 magazines in that box. Listen, man, all I know is that uh, the mailman struggled to get this box up the driveway, man. What a <laughs> mail day. What a complete surprise. Uh, my wife goes out to get the mail, and she said, there's a box out here. I can't lift it. I said, "Who's? what'd you order? She said, it's for Jumpin' Jay. I said, what? I went out there. It's. I haven't even counted them. But, guys, this is a huge box of magazines from the 80s, the 90s, we're talking the wrestler, we're talking about wrestler annual, we're talking about wrestling fury, we're talking about inside wrestling, wrestling illustrated. There's so much good stuff in this box, Tommy. I cannot wait to to take these out and read through each and every one of them, man. So thank you so much. If you are listening and you've been debating about whether or not uh, to sign up for Tommy's magazine club, I got to tell you, there is nothing better than a mail call when it's not a bill coming in the mail. When you can go to that mailbox, <laughs> pop it open, and you see Hogan or Andre or Ultimate Warrior or Ric Flair staring you in the face from the cover of an old school magazine, it take, it gets you right in the feels, man. It takes you way back uh, to your childhood. So I highly recommend, if you're, out, if you're thinking about it, do it, because you will not regret going to the mailbox and, and opening up a couple of classic wrestling magazines. Yeah, man, you can try – you can try uh... – you can try it for – now, I'm going to do this just for today, Jay. So I, I know a lot of people listen to this on demand. But anyone listening live right now or, or listening at some point today on uh, September the 7th, anyone that goes to our website, The Wrestling Collect, and orders one month, six magazines. Uh, six magazines, I believe, is $35 on the website. If you order today a six-pack just to give it a try, I will throw in an additional – Two magazines for free. Man. So we get eight magazines for thirty-five dollars. Uh, so two magazines for listening to the podcast. Uh, you have to ha- order today, though. Head over to thewrestlingcollector.com and give it a try. Man, I just dug dug through this box a little bit more. I found a Wrestling Eye magazine from 1989. Yes. It's got Flair, Savage, Luger, Hogan on the cover, and it even has the. Uh, the Canadian price listed on it. So we may not have got these in Minnesota, but maybe uh, David uh, or Rick from Canada were reading their wrestling eye back in the day. Nice. I want you to uh, do me a favor, Jumpin' Jay, and I want you to read thoroughly through that wrestling eye magazine because I'm going to quiz you on wrestling eye next week right here on the podcast. Look at this, man. It still has the posters intact inside this wrestling eye. This is a piece of art. I'll read that one today, my man. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. I, I, I was thinking while we were finishing up the, the topic of uh, this week's podcast, uh, what we can do on next week's podcast. And I thought of a really fun topic, Jumpin' Jay, 
and I think that you'll be on board with it. So, so let me just text it to you. I'm going to stay right here on the air. I think that's going to be a fun episode. What do you guys think about next week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast? We dive into the Heenan family. Ooh, I love it, man. The number one nemesis to Hulkamania back in the day. So many good wrestlers came in and out of the Heenan family. I would love to have that discussion with everyone. Awesome, man. So right here next week on 80s Wrestling, the podcast, we are going to talk all about the Heenan family and all the members in it and some of the biggest moments uh, from the Heenan family in the 80s. It's going to be an exciting topic right here next week on the podcast. Jumpin' Jay, I hope that you have a great weekend. Uh, my daughter starts cheerleading this weekend, so it's a cheerleading weekend here in New Jersey. Uh, no shows this weekend, which is awesome because I think if I ran against my daughter's first cheerleading game, I probably would be sleeping on the couch for a very long time. Uh, sending special shout-outs uh, to uh, some people out there. My uh, thoughts and prayers go with a special friend that's going through uh, – uh, some stuff today. I want to send her my well wishes. And I uh, hope everyone at home has a great day. I hope everyone listening around the globe has a great day. We'll catch you back here next Thursday when we talk all about the Heenan family on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.